poor little thing. I'm so sorry. She sure is lucky to have you for a mommy. Such interesting feelings are evoked by a person with a disability. And we are remotely at the beginning of our journey, even though it feels like this has been my forever life. Um, But many interesting feelings are evoked when you see a body that doesn't work as a typical body. I'm reminded to be patient with people when I myself get pulled to the place of pity or um, just kind of awestruck. Like, how does that life happen? How does how do they get through their day? How how is how are they going to enjoy this afternoon with all those challenges? Um, I do still get that from time to time. So I, it's fading though. It's getting farther and farther away. Um, with a genuine joy, I feel admiration for people I see with a disabled teen, um, an adult struggling, maybe getting in and out of a car, using a walker. Um, I don't pity them. I don't think how sad. Um, But I do sometimes maybe want to help or am curious. Like, do they have that? Are they going to be okay? Uh, Do they have all they need? (laughs) And um, so I guess in some ways that is pity because it's thinking they're helpless. So this topic is a beautiful topic that will never end. And you can go back and forth discussing it within our community of Trisomy because we all struggle and we have a lot of, to be blunt, I'm just going to be blunt, um, do we have death in our community? We have a lot of death. And if you're part of a community where babies die, uh, of course the world's going to say how sad. Um... It's not sad. And you know what? I think it is good to have a lot of tolerance and patience with each other and love and see both sides and support everyone. But there comes a day where being lukewarm helps no one. So I'm going to just go be blunt, draw a line in the sand and say it's not sad. And if you are pregnant and you just got your diagnosis with trisomy 18, I'm going to be so bold as to say, I don't feel sorry for you. Now, how does that make people feel? In me not feeling sorry for you, I think I can help you through our story and um, help you help yourself way more than me feeling sorry for you can. Here's why I don't feel sorry for you. 
You are headed into the most miraculous job alongside parenting of your life. You are being given a gift of the Holy Spirit, which is steadfast and long-suffering and a peace that passes all understanding. And you have been selected to peer into an alternate universe that really transcends the typical life here on earth. And it's a gift. And it's a gift. And so in me not feeling sorry for you, I truly can take a deep breath and pray for you because you're headed into lots and lots of trials. Finding fair care for our kids is a lot of times halted because of pity and because of parents breaking and sharing back with the medical community. Resentment, anger, hurt, rage, defeat, because their child is disabled. So, this is a huge metaphor for everything in life. I truly believe in speaking positive. I truly believe in speaking life. And I hit daily challenges and struggles with that because really I'm a pretty big wimp. (laughs) I really am. I get very tired. I get really fatigued. I maybe assert myself and go address something and I expect the world to open up and then it doesn't and I have to go do it again. And I get grumpy and I really love to relax and have fun. So sometimes I will go to that and address the serious stuff later. So I really kind of am weak and a wimp. Um, And then I address things that have to be addressed because my child's life depends on it. And I look back and I'm almost talking to myself when I talk to you. Um, And I say, get up. (laughs) Do it. Who else is going to do it? And that's the biggest thing that Rose is teaching me. No one is going to do this for you. Do it. (laughs) And that's been huge. So... I spent very long kind of just waiting for an ethics committee, a palliative care person, a hospice, no, never a hospice, sorry. Some people have hospice and have good experience. I I never trusted our hospice, so I didn't wait for hospice, but I was always waiting for somebody to see us, see how nice we are, (laughs) and help us, okay? Um... Maybe even make a movie about us, okay? And then that would help our financial life. And then that would help everyone with T18. And they could put Rose on the news and people would see her story and parents would help themselves and save their kids. And I would skip off to Disneyland 
<laughs> Everyone's life would be saved and I really wouldn't have to do that much. Um, our home hospital would operate on her heart. I wouldn't have to travel. I mean, I'm, I'm as wimpy as the next guy. I kind of sat there and just waited for um, everybody to go to work on my daughter and maybe even earn it by being super nice and um, doing lots of research and being really smart and uh, what else? And going to church and bringing in our church family to pray for us and I would just do all that but nothing more. And I love the way God works. I do more. I do so much more. I do hours. I put hours into the nursing side of Rose. Hours. And yes, everybody does this for a baby. And everybody does this for their children. So I am not asking for a medal. I'm not asking for huge admiration. But I'm asking for those of you who are new to the journey to see us and I'm asking for you to be inspired um, you can do it you can do it you can put a pull socks on your kid's foot when you're home and you can watch their sats, and you can bring in the oxygen when it's needed, and you can take it away when it's not. You can get a prognosis for your own child within your own home and say, hmm, they're really not doing good. This oxygen doesn't seem to be enough. They sneeze so much, boogers get caught in it. I gotta clean it out this way. I need a suction machine. I need more saline. Hmm, we can't afford more saline. Okay, we need to get a prescription for it. Who do I need to go to? And you can do this. You can. This is troubleshooting. This is unconditional love. And this is physical labor on top of mental stamina and um, academic. You are learning. This is a challenge in child medicine, health, and you're learning. And you can do it. And um, if somebody wants to say, how sad, I'm personally more comfortable with how hard. Because <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> but you know what? So many things are hard. Um, I get a little sassy or disrespectful. I, I try not to be disrespectful. But sometimes I hear people repeat back to me kind of what I've said. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. No. We want to... We want to be kind to doctors. We want to be respectful to our team. We want to go to unit directors. We want to work with our home hospital. Um, so I kind of hear my words said back and I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not what we want. So I can't, I know in the heat of the moment and my ego can get super excited and share what an amazing warrior I am and stood in front of my daughter and defended her. But the truth is I couldn't do it alone and very smart people who work day in day out with children um, are the hands of the operation at times so um, they went to school <laughs> it helps me to get curious about them um, a surgeon you're working with you know they put hours in studying learning they cut open their first human um, 
They went home probably nauseous, sick, and scared. They had student loans to pay back. Um, They had to go fight for certain jobs. They have to learn the weird dysfunction of the workplace and join the team. And these heart surgeons all know each other. And I sometimes even just have um, pity for them. Like, man, you got to go in and deal with parents and save these kids' lives and monitor their care and hold PICU and and nursing care and the doctors and all those eagles to the fire to get your patient good care. And then you have to like golf with these other people and just know them and know where they went to school and know their story and um, shoot the shit. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't cuss. Shoot the junk with them. they have a weird world. They have a very weird world. And um, I've gotten a little glimpse of it behind the Wizard of Oz curtain. And, and it's weird. <laughs> and I don't have to do that. <laughs> um, I have one. I have one patient. Her name is Rose. And you know what? If she's not a doctor or an institutions or a state's or a company's, cup of tea. Um, She's not their person they're passionate about. It's my job to find um, who will be a good person for her. So in all this, do people feel sorry for me? Is this trisomy 18 um, to be pitied? No. Because I don't pity you. I will empower you. The marathon runner that trains, when they're out training in their home area and they're getting up before sunrise and they're running and they're taping up blisters on their feet and maybe addressing knee concerns and one day even having knee surgery and trying to run again, um, many do not say they feel sorry for him. Many sleep in, sit on a couch and choose not to do that. And I'm one of them. I choose not to do that. (laughs) Many reasons why, but I have never chosen that. Um, No, I'm inspired by them. I say, good for you. That's your thing. Um, Should we ban marathons and ban triathlons and ban hiking? Um, You know, people choose to do hiking in nature and we lose a lot of people. Do we pity the hiker that just feels like they have to get out there? get scrapes and wounded and bruises people that propel off rocks and mountains do we pity them because they are so tired that day they might break a bone and um, no we don't when you take on a trisomy 18 child you will be running a marathon Um, you'll be training for a marathon when we lose our children I have not lost my daughter yet. I can only speak to ways I imagine it, friends that let me real close and I get to hear the inner workings of their grief. And that's when I can speak about it. When we lose our children, we are sad and our marathon ends and our hike stops and we want it back we want to be back 
to the hard work and to the very things that some people are told terminate their pregnancies to avoid and um, let this baby go because they have a cold. Um, It's kind of like they're out. And um, us that do not choose that, we don't choose it. We don't want pity. Recently, um, some parents have become divided. Some have said, well, it sucked for me. It's hard for me. Um, My baby died. And you keep saying T18's fine. You know, don't pity us. Pity us. It hurts. It robbed my baby. It ruined my life. Or even people with kids that are alive, you know, um, say how hard it is. It is hard. But I want to ask you this, and I want you to imagine this. If someone is climbing out of a deep pit and their fingernails are gripping to loose stones, but they are finding their footing and they are finding their way and their feet finally step on some solid stone and they can go up higher. Do we need people at the bottom of the pit shouting up, it's terrible. Your baby dies and there's no point. Your baby passes and it, it, it's the worst thing in the world. And um, yours might be alive today, but you know mine died and that's not fair. And um, what else? And you know, this T18, we have to eradicate it. And just some things that we hear. Um, no, they don't need to hear that. They need to keep moving forward. They need to... Um, have people at the top and people at the bottom saying, go, go, you got this. Ooh, there's a big gash on your leg. We'll get it. We'll get to it. You just keep climbing. Um, That kind of stuff. And that's the mentality I'm coming from when I lift up my friends with older kids and I engage in watching videos and hear stories of how friends decorated their child's tombstone for a holiday and we can say an intubated baby looks beautiful and we that's what we're doing we have people hanging from cliffs and we are saying dang you got this oh over there over there you can grab over there go 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 look at you three years ago you may have been laying on a couch watching tv but now look at you you're scaling walls, you're climbing out of pits, you're bringing life where there wasn't. And it doesn't matter if your child with trisomy lived or died or is living, is walking, will never walk, um, is currently in a hospital and can't get extubated or featured in your city parade (laughs) and treated like a celebrity. They're all amazing. And this podcast is to the parents. If you can hear my voice, I'm tired. Um, My daughter works me. (laughs) But I've got grit. And I have learned that this life is not meant to be a cakewalk. And um, I have learned that we can do really hard things 
and there are people doing much harder things than me. So hopefully this speaks to someone today and I'm just gonna go for a while, you know, like I said, a little bit extreme and draw that line in the sand and say, I don't feel sorry for the trisomy 18 parent. Trisomy 13 parent, trisomy 21 parent. And I think there's a misconception that if you don't feel sorry for somebody, then you're mean and cruel because I would never be mean and cruel. I will always have a tender heart. I will always know. I mean, I'm talking true empathy. I know. I know when you can't even see straight and the pull socks alarms and you still have to get up and troubleshoot. And I know you want to just run out your door and play tag maybe with your kids, but you need to set up a medical chair and a pull socks and a feed pump and you watch people try to wait for you, but they got to go ahead and live their life and you're still fixing a um, clog in a feeding bag. I mean, I know, I know it and, and I don't feel sorry for you, but I know the um, exhaustion and the tire some task but I also know the victories and there's so many victories but they never come if we don't call them out so um, that good day in the hospital you know even with an intubated baby I had some good days rubbing her head music therapy coming by listening to a song that just touched me to my core because I have felt true love and I have felt loss and sacrifice like I never felt before so you can feel things like you never felt before and it is mind-blowing I wish you all the most the most um, joy that you can get when you are tired worn and exhausted and I know you will reach a day of calm and you can look back and you will be so proud of yourself sometimes imagine if a pro football player or a marathon runner or somebody that has heavily trained for something and met their goal then they retire do they want to do it again (laughs) they probably do Um, and they probably do it in different ways or they coach others sometimes I think of it that way the day I'm no longer a medical parent I will take my um, Super Bowl ring, my impressive resume, um, grieve, get healthy, which takes time and goes in and out, I believe. Um, And then I will go back and coach and I will go back and be a spectator of the sport and I will cheer people on but I will not pity them. Thank you. Thank you.